Once upon a time, in a tropical island far away, there lived a strange woman. Hi there, everybody, and welcome to another edition of The Podcast Goes To, a weekly podcast where we randomly select and discuss an Oscar-nominated picture. This week, The Podcast Goes To 1985's Kiss of the Spider-Woman. I'm Matt, joined by my co-host, Bob. Bob, how are you? I'm doing just wonderful. I watched a movie that I have can't say I've heard of before, so I don't know if you've heard of this movie before. I had never heard of it, and do you feel like a little bit of an ass for never, for having never heard of, about it? Because I sort of did. Um, no, I think you're alone on that one. Uh, there, there are a bunch of movies I haven't heard of. This, this Oscar awards show is uh, before we were born, so I don't feel that bad about it, to be honest. I guess, but The Godfather was also before we were born, and I've heard of that one. Yeah, but that one's also on TV, and I don't know about you, but I've never seen this title pop up on TV. No, no, I can't say that I have. Uh, Kiss of the Spider-Woman. It was certainly an interesting movie. One which was the very first independent film nominated for Best Picture, just chock full of controversial characters and tropes and plot points, and we will get into all of that. But first... Let's do a little house cleaning. Do you have anything you wanna you wanna clean for, clean up from last week's episode? So I feel like we did a pretty good job last week. Uh, what about you, Matt? Is there anything we uh, we screwed up? I no, I don't think so. I think we screwed one thing up, which is I really wanted to discuss Winston Churchill, his how he was always going to the bathroom and with all these people around. I was like so bummed we didn't get to hit on that. And I'm pretty sure, doesn't he go into the bathroom to talk to Franklin Delano Roosevelt at one point? Yeah, yeah. There's that scene where he's asking him for like tanks and aircraft carriers with money that he borrowed from the U.S. And he's like, oh, sorry about that, Winston. I guess you can drag them across the Canadian border with horses. My hands are tied. (laughs) Yeah, I can't believe we didn't talk about that scene. That scene was... uh, pretty weird and hilarious and apparently never happened so (laughs) yeah so that that was a big miss on our part the only thing i wanted to bring up was that the guy who won for best makeup kazuhiro he was also nominated academy award nominated makeup artist from the hit film norbit starring eddie murphy (laughs) and eddie murphy that is an academy award nominated film well deserving i mean how do you make eddie murphy look that fat did not win the Oscar, but was nominated. It's an honor just to be nominated. <laughs> I had a thought that, um, like, I was trying to come up with funny segment names for for all the little things that we do. And um, I have I have a little brain trust group, which consists of one person who is guaranteed to listen to the podcast every week. And I run some ideas by him. And so I ran the idea by him of calling the cleanup section the Esposito Open because Esposito was a janitor, so it's like the, the, the open where we clean things up. And he said, absolutely not. That is an absolutely terrible idea. Not funny. 
too obscure. No one will get it. I'm so with you on that. I'm so with this. Whoever this mystery person is, I'm so with that person on that. Yeah, let's not do that. Oh, man. I, I thought it was I thought it was so funny. I thought I'm so clever. So maybe if. If this was a video podcast and we did like a, a weird transition where it's Sally Hawkins in Shape of Water carrying a broom <laughs> and she just sweeps across the screen. We do like a um a, like a banana. What's what's the um what's the noise they make when you slip on a banana peel? Uh, what's that called? I think you just uh, recited its name. <laughs> that, we we make it that noise as she skirts by. Uh, we so, also we also should we get into our. F- our fan segment now, or do you want to do it after the break? Wait, we have another fan comment? Yeah. We can do it. Well, that's we'll, exciting. Let's do it after. No, the... read it right now. Read it right now. I want to hear it. I haven't I haven't read any of the fan comments. You got to link me in on this shit. Okay. I know, but I, I, like being, I like surprising you. So we did have another fan comment on iTunes, and we're definitely hitting our demographic here. This is from Banana Dude 69696420. And he writes... Listen to episode one, and I'm hooked like a hungry bass. If you love witty banter and informative talk on critically acclaimed movies, make sure you take the time to listen up. Five out of five stars. So thank you to Banana Dude. And um, I think him and Bad Boy Big Upset might want to try and hook up in the comment section. Maybe they could be friends. Or maybe they're the same person. Maybe they're all you. I don't know. I don't know who these people are. Um, But thanks, uh, Banana Boy Upset whatever (laughs) banana bad boy (laughs) i think i just mixed up the two people uh shows how great i am with fans it's just all this this new success is just uh just so overwhelming i just can't handle all of it so (laughs) (laughs) if you write a comment we will read it live on the podcast next week that's right so you want to talk about the the movie do i ever (laughs) (laughs) this week's a little different because our first two episodes were very recent films that probably, you know, all 10 of the people who are listening to this, that maybe six, I don't know, uh, probably have seen these movies. So this one, I'm guessing most of our listeners have not seen. So why don't you break it down? Describe what this movie's about. To be honest, I watched it yesterday and I, I, just, I still don't know what it's about. So uh, help me out there, Matt. Well, yeah, I guess we have some work to do. Kiss... Of the Spider-Woman is a 1985 film starring William Hurt and Raul Julia, rest in peace. And William Hurt plays a homosexual man who is in a prison cell with a revolutionary. And to kill the time, William Hurt's character summarizes a movie that he really enjoys to his cellmate. So we have a movie within a movie, which we'll talk a little bit about what the movie within a movie is a little bit later. All right, let me let me give you the short, short version. So there's there's a a transgender guy and a communist sitting in a jail cell in Argentina, and the transgender dude played by William Hurt just describes random movies, one of them being this like Nazi propaganda film. <laughs> this very strange Nazi propaganda film. And then, I don't know, I, 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 I kind of got lost at the end. <laughs> well, in the, okay, so in the end, the, the warden is trying to get information out of Molina, who is William Hurt, um, about the communist cellmate. But determining that they were not going to get anything out of him, they release him and then trail him because they think that he will lead them back to Raul's sect or whatever, whatever it was called. Raul is 
uh, plays a character called Valentine, by the way. <laughs> His name is not Raul in the script. And they're right. It leads them it leads them right to these uh, these people, at which point William Hurt meets a tragic end. But we can go into further detail like as we break down the film. So but essentially you nailed it. It's a transgender guy and a commie in a prison cell together. You didn't like the movie, it sounds like. I so I enjoyed parts of it, but I just I, I was just left kind of confused. I mean, I'm not one who's really big on I don't know, symbolism and metaphors and I'm I, I struggled at parts of the film and I really don't understand the ending at all or who the hell the Spider Woman was. I was waiting I thought this was gonna be like not Spider Man, but like Spider Woman. I don't know, and I clear clearly I didn't read a description of the film before I <laughs> before I watched it, but like I was like, Am I watching the right movie? I don't see any spider women in this movie. Like what what's going on? And then like finally, like towards the end William Hurt's character decides to start talking about this movie with the spider woman in it and never finishes it. And it just kind of leads nowhere. And I was like, oh, man. So this kind of brings me to something interesting. I feel like the title doesn't really match the film or give it justice. So I'm going to bring up a comment here. For those of you who don't know, I make little short films and submit them to film festivals. And one film festival was nice enough to send me... The judges' feedback. I didn't get into the festival, but it sent me the it sent me the judges' feedback. <laughs> so I have this film. It's called The Cookbook, and they sent me this feedback. And they write here: title does not do the film justice. I thought the cookbook was going to be a more integral part of the story, and it wasn't. <laughs> Failure on many levels. Oh, <laughs> They wrote it, failure on many levels. And I look at this movie, and it brings me back to this movie. Uh, no, I made the the last part up. Oh. But <laughs> <laughs> that was the best part of the review. <laughs> there were uh, no all these reviews. I could read them all, but like they're hilarious. But so anyway, I think of this one, "Kiss of the Spider Woman," and like this movie has nothing to do with that title. As far I'm as I'm so concerned. glad you said that because you are you. This is the first time I am so completely in awe at how wrong you are, dude. <laughs> All right, Molina. Go. Molina is the Spider Woman. I don't get it. Explain it to me. The I'm kiss, really lost. The here. kiss. They kiss. They kiss in the jail cell. That was the kiss of the Spider Woman. But why is he the spy? I don't. I see. I just don't get it. I don't. I don't get this movie. Okay, <laughs> explain right. it to me. <laughs> I think. I think this. I think this calls for for a slow walkthrough. So the film opens with Molina talking about the Nazi propaganda film, and she is sort of. Oh, sorry. It's it's a trans. So it's a transgender person. Do you if it's a if it's a man who if it's a man who thinks they're a woman is it a transgender man or is it a transgender woman? I think woman. I think woman's the correct way. Well, yeah, you're supposed you're you call them a woman, right? Because that's what they yeah. that's what they yeah. feel they are. So should we call yeah. William Hurt her? I guess. <laughs> I don't know. Like the concept of transgender was pretty new at this point. I think in the mid '70s is when it sort of became an umbrella term used for people who felt like they weren't in the right body or the right gender. 
Exactly. So basically in this film, a lot of times they call him a faggot and they refer to him as a gay person. And yeah, he's interested in men or she's interested in men. But there there are a lot of clues in this that that led me to to refer to him as a transgender because he talks about wanting to chop off his dick and how he feels like a woman inside. Those are all clear, you know, clear cut signs for me. So, yeah. And I mean, he's uh, dressed as a woman in the beginning and he's he's sort of embodying the female character who he's talking about from the Nazi film. So he's in love with this nazi film and he's in love with it not because of the real subject matter which is it's about how the nazi party is actually helping to liberate europe he's in love with it because of this strong beautiful female character who falls in love with a handsome man from the nazi party but the character is french so to fall in love with this guy is to betray her people but to deny herself that love is to betray herself. So I think right away you have this sort of symbolism that you probably hated because you just said you don't like symbolism. No, that's not fair. I I just don't get it a lot of the times, which is why we're a great pair in this podcast because I think that's more your your <laughs> cup of tea than mine. I, I, I seem to miss... If the, if the nail doesn't hit... You know, if it doesn't hit that nail in the head with me, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't understand what the hell's going on. I knew, so. I knew what we were in for when the, the first scene, the first image you see is like it's panning along the prison walls and it's someone has drawn a bird on the prison walls and the bird is like enclosed in a square of light that must be coming in from a window. And I was like, ooh, that's so symbolic. It's like the bird is trying to fly, but it's trapped in this square of light. It's like, ooh. Yeah, see, I didn't pick up on that at all. <laughs> I was like, this it is... It was a cool opening, though. It was like a, I want to say, 15-minute long one-shot opening to the film. Yeah, I, I mean, I think there were cuts. I don't think it was a 15-minute one-shot. I think it was pretty close. I think it was one shot until you see the first imagery of the of the film he the, he's describing the Nazi film. Yeah, yeah. So okay, so he's <laughs> yeah. And oh. you think he's you think he's in the jail cell alone, and he's describing this. He's just talking. He's like, oh, there's a crazy dude in a jail. He's just talking about some random Nazi film, whatever. And then Raul's character is just laying on the bed, and he's like groaning. He's like, shut up! I don't want to hear your stupid crap. <laughs> yeah, Val- <laughs> he so just came out of nowhere. Story. He's telling the story to Valentine, who is um, like a macho man. And very quickly, we dive into what I think is the strength of the movie, which is these two characters have repeated debates about the definition of a man. And their definition changes depending on the scene. But essentially, there's one great moment where Valentine says, a man is someone who doesn't make the people around him feel uncomfortable. A man is someone who doesn't treat people poorly. And then Melina says, oh, a man is someone who's tall and handsome and strong. And so they have these like very, so he, she has this very antiquated feeling. of. But then two scenes later, there's the epic scene where he, where Valentine like spreads Melina's legs apart and is like, what is this? What is this thing between your legs? You're, you're a man, damn it. You have a penis. And I'm like, didn't you just say that the definition of a man is the complete opposite of what you're doing? <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of flip-flopping in this film. There are a lot of, like, they, like, change on a dime. Like, when they eat that poison food and they instantly feel horrible. <laughs> there's just, like, there's so many moments, too, where where he tells him the story and he's like, oh, I want to hear the story. And then, like, halfway through the story, he's like, screw you, you're the worst. And it's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I guess I guess being in prison, I get it. Like, they, they're kind of high, you know, high-strung and they're kind of crazy at that point. So it's pretty interesting. So, okay, get back to 
convince me why why he's the spider woman or she's the spider woman. Okay, spider so woman. I, I now feel like I'm sort of the spider woman because now I'm narrating the film. So I feel a little bit like Melina. So then they're in the jail cell and... <laughs> So, okay, so they're in the jail cell and they're and she's telling the story about this the woman who fell in love and then the French resistance, they approach her and they're like, you have to get the, the map. There's like this like map that they have to get. That's like the big, will she get the map or will she turn in the French resistance? And then eventually she tries to frame the French resistance and they end up shooting her and she dies. So that's the tragic ending. And Valentine is like, dude, this is a Nazi propaganda film. How can you like this? And she and Melina just refuses to see the reality of the situation. She just believes in like this poetic world where love is real and blah blah blah, which is I thought was kind of cool. Wait, wait. So let's break down this this Nazi film though, because you kind of skipped to the ending. So <laughs> was, at was first, there a lot of meat that I missed? Yeah, because it was about some other girl, and then she dies, and then it switches to the other right. Like so, there's <laughs> oh, <yeah>. that woman. <laughs> Who's who's in love with that other guy, and she's in the car, oh, she, she and the guy throws over. the key. yeah yeah. So so there's this scene where this this French woman goes to meet this German dude, and he's like, "Come down," and he throws his keys down to her. She's in the street. She's about to come up and I guess sleep with him or whatever. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there's like these two French dudes just sitting and watching in a car. I don't know if they're the ones who ran her over. Yes, yes, they're the French yeah, okay. resistance. They're like the most yeah, disgusting-looking stereotype of a like French the, person. Yeah, there's like dude in a beret with like a big mustache. He looks like a cigars. toad. Like call it how you see it. He looked like a freaking toad. Yeah, basically, and and they run her over, and the shot. <laughs> she's just like ah, and then she gets, and he's like the German dude up there is like no. And then she gets run over, and then the resistance people go to her friend, and they're like, "Your friend is dead. Get us a map." And it was like, "Where did? Where, how did all this happen?" And then all of a sudden, she's in love with the same guy, and they're like, "Go to him." And she just goes to the guy, and she's like, "My friend is dead. I need a place to stay." Why do you need a place to stay when your friends just died? I don't, I don't understand. Well, she all. probably I, thought that they were gonna come after her next. I guess I just I love I love that scene where he like tries to um, the the weird French resistance dude tries to like persuade this woman to go get the map for him. And she like starts like pretending to kiss him. And then she grabs what looks like an Oscar off of her table <laughs> and hits him over the head with it and runs away. <laughs> I thought that scene was hilarious. Okay, But you have to remember, too, that this is this is Molina's reimagining of the movie. So it's going to be like I think it was exaggerated on purpose. Yeah, no, 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 I get it. It's just hilarious. I, it was my favorite parts of the movie, just watching this, like, weird, like, reenactment of this, like, Nazi propaganda movie that made no sense. Yeah. I, I thought it was hilarious. Uh, you noticed that, though, right? He, like, he, she hits him with an Oscar, right? Pretty much. It looked like an Oscar. I don't know if they were, like, making fun of the Oscars somehow, and then they end up winning one. I thought that was pretty cool. So, to get a little sidetracked, since I loved the whole movie-within-a-movie aspect... <laughs> I wanted to talk about, do you remember any other movies with movies in the movie? Oh. Yeah. No, Let's I talk wasn't... about movies within a movie. So the one I remember the most is um, Inglorious Bastards has the Nation's Pride movie starring Frederick Zoller. <laughs> Tropic Thunder has a bunch of movies within the movie. There's Chris Rock movie Top 5 where they have the movie within a movie. Tyler Perry's Boo, Medea Halloween. Ooh. Which was such a good joke that they actually turned it into a real movie because Tyler Perry is just so funny. 
But my favorite movie within a movie is from The Onion Movie. Have you seen The Onion Movie? No. So, <laughs> The Onion Movie, you know The Onion News, though, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they made a movie. I have two copies of it on DVD, for whatever reason. Just in case one gets scratched, you have to be well, prepared. I, I thought... I- I thought I lost one, so I ordered another <laughs> copy because I loved it so much. I, I used to watch it all the time. So in the middle, they were always advertising this movie, and they play the trailer, and it's and it's like, Steven Seagal is cock puncher. <laughs> and then it cuts to Steven Seagal as he like, he's like punching people in the dick while they're like shooting him with machine guns and shit. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it like, he's like standing up on a motorcycle. These two guys are like shooting him with the machine guns and they miss and he just punches them both in the dick at the same time. And then it just cuts to a close up. I don't think you have the balls. Like, <laughs> I want to see that movie. Just like a, a like old ass Steven Seagal punching people in the dick. <laughs> I unfortunately <laughs> missed gotta, out. Yeah, you gotta just look. Just type in Steven Seagal cock puncher on YouTube when you get a chance. <laughs> it's hilarious. All right, I'll add that to my. I'll add that so, to my to do list. Yeah, famous movies in the movies. So because I just wasted that whole segment, I think now we have to pick our decade. Oh, okay. It's already time. So it's, wow. Yeah, it's already time. We barely got into this movie because I don't understand it, and you do, and you're gonna have to explain it to me <laughs> for the next hour and a half. If you want to line up your little generator. What we do here every week, for those of you who weren't here last week, uh, maybe all of you were here last week, we're picking our next week's film that we're going to talk about. And what we're going to do is we're going to break it up three ways. So first, we're going to pick a decade, and then we're going to narrow that decade down to the certain year in that decade. And then we're going to pick one of the Best Picture nominated films, and that'll be our film that we talk about next. So any predictions, Matt? I think we're going to keep getting earlier and earlier. Yeah, I'm feeling like an old-ass movie coming. Yeah, me too, which I'm okay (laughs) with. So without further ado, next week the podcast goes to the 1950s. Ooh, 1950s. Any 1950s movies that stand out to you? Nope. (laughs) (laughs) That's why why I put that question on you before you asked me, because I I can't think of any 1950s. One thing about me... Among I have a lot of shortcomings. I I probably know three dates in world history, like at all. Like I know nine eleven. I know Pearl Harbor was December seventh. You know, like outside of that, we're really pushing when, here. When's your birthday? February seventh, but I don't count okay. that one. <laughs> but like for me to say when a movie came out, I mean we're really pushing it. There's Streetcar Named Desire, Sunset Boulevard, Ben Hur, All About Eve. There's some good ones here. I. I'm not gonna lie, I do not have the time to watch Ben Hur. So really, isn't that movie like ten hours long? I might have Maybe to just we'll do... watch the 2016 remake. Yeah, we have to watch both for research. So hopefully we don't <laughs> get that one. Absolutely fucking not. Oh, you looked really offended when I said that. Did you enjoy the 2015 or 16? See, here we are. I have no idea. No, what no, no, mean. no. You're you're looking at our shitty Skype feed. I I was I was wincing. I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't. I wasn't offended. I I felt offended by the movie. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we'll go ahead and take a quick bake. Quick bake. <laughs> So we'll go ahead yeah, let, and take let's get a, baked. Let's, yeah, I'm down. I'm down with that. You down with that? I, can't, I don't know if I can handle this movie. Um, <laughs> we'll go ahead and take a quick break. When we come back, we'll finish up talking about the second half of Kiss of the Spider Woman. Then we'll get into a little bit about the um, the production of the film, the post production. Um, so we'll be right back.
Alright, welcome back. So we are talking about the film Kiss of the Spider-Woman. But before we go any further, I want to not steal, but eh. We have, we have a friend of ours, uh, Christian Renzi. Renzi, shout out to Christian. He has his own podcast. I was a guest on it once. I think, Matt, you were a guest on it, right? I was probably the worst guest, but I was a guest. Well... I think I was the worst guest because... No, I was the worst be... guest. <laughs> I was the worst. And then we, we rebelled and made our own podcast. So... Yeah, so now it's just a combination of shit. <laughs> yeah, we're like, we're the, the, the sad, unloved offspring of his podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, he would always start the show. He had guests on his show. And every week he'd ask his guests, what are you watching? Whether it's movies or TV or stuff like that. So I'm going to... I'm going to take that segment. We're going to throw it into this because I'm interested. Matt, what are you watching these days? I'm glad you asked, Bob. I just watched the other night a fantastic movie called Justice League. Uh. It, oh, my God. It was so average. It was so <laughs> average. Like, I couldn't even be I couldn't. You know how some movies they're so bad that you get mad at how bad they are. I mean, we didn't have too many classes together in film school, but that was me in like all of like Rebecca's classes. <laughs> She'd play a movie that I hated and I would just storm out of the room angry <laughs> and I had to apologize in the beginning of class every week. <laughs> I, w- I once watched a movie about nothing in her class. Like that was the concept. And then for the final project, it was like, okay, you can either write a 10 page paper or you can make your own creative movie. And I literally shot myself for five for I think it was like five minutes doing absolutely nothing, just sitting and doing nothing, and turned it in and got an A. <laughs> I was like, so I like college, I like ladies and gentlemen, system. college. Oh, I worked that system so well. I was like, you can't let us, you can't make us study a movie about nothing and not expect me to turn in a final project, quite literally about nothing. <laughs> That's magical. While I was working my ass off making like nine films a semester, <laughs> you made a movie about nothing. <laughs> Hey man, Seinfeld made a whole career doing that. Ooh, ooh! No, this is the second. This is the second time we talked about Seinfeld on the podcast. We should uh, tag them. <laughs> I love Seinfeld. Yeah, it's a good show. I, I enjoy it too. So anyway, you watch Justice League. Anything else? You watching any TV shows right now? Uh, I'm I'm working my way through Frasier. Okay, bringing it back. Yeah. Interesting choice. Yeah, and then um, and then Cheers was. Cheers predated Frasier because Frasier came from Cheers. So we're, I'm thinking about doing a deep dive and going back back to the Cheers days because there's just not enough new programming these days. I need to dive back into the 80s. Uh, what? <laughs> there are so many television shows these days. It's hard to keep track. <laughs> yeah, it's too overwhelming. It's better to just scrap it and just do my own thing. What are you watching? I just started watching uh, the new show on TBS called Final Space. Do you know the show? No. So it's an animated show. It's five episodes in it. Airs Monday nights on TBS. And it is possibly the greatest thing I've ever watched. It's like 20-minute episodes. And it just hooks you instantly. This thing is... It's it's amazing. It's hilarious. It's intriguing. It's, it's everything. I love this show so much. You have to start watching it. Final Space, everyone. If you haven't watched it already, start watching it. Forget about listening to the podcast. Just go... Go find TBS somewhere and watch Final Space. Highly I'm go, recommend. I want to go ahead and stop you right there. <laughs> right when you said don't listen to the rest of the podcast. Um, because there's so much more to talk about, Bob. Yes, there is. Final Space. No, we're, we're stopping with the Final Space. Yes, so... <laughs> the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. 
I do love me some SpongeBob movies. So let's bring this back to the Oscars because this is a Oscar themed podcast. So what was this film nominated for again, Matt? This film received four Oscar nominations, all of which were a stunning surprise. Best Actor, William Hurt, which he won. Best Adapted Screenplay and Best Director. Yeah, so the Adapted Screenplay, this was this film was based off of a novel by Manuel Puig, who's, I believe, from Argentina. And it was filmed in Brazil, though. Yeah, well, they filmed, yeah, they filmed in Brazil. They couldn't film in Argentina. They actually wanted to shoot the Nazi propaganda film in Argentina, but they couldn't, they couldn't do it. They originally were going to film it in France uh, because they had some funding that was supposedly coming from French investors, and at the last minute they backed out. That's why all the Nazi propaganda film stuff, any exterior shot you see um, is always at night because they were shooting it in Sao Paulo where it did not look like Europe at all. So that's why they they should they decided to change everything from day to night. Yeah, and I think it worked. I, I liked how everything was kind of like creepy and night, just like you are right now on our Skype feed where you're just in complete darkness and it looks like a noir film and i feel like you're about to kill me <laughs> so shout out to the lighting in your room well um. <laughs> well shooting in brazil had its had its pros and cons because when they're shooting in brazil it was still under a, a strong military regime but the upside was you could shoot it on the cheap and uh, the director, Hector Babanca, he said in the documentary that was made on this film that he scrounged up about $1.5 million to make this film, which is awe-inspiring that a movie can be made for $1.5 million <laughs> nowadays and be nominated for Best Picture. Yeah, so that was a big deal back then, I think, making a film for so little, being an indie film, filmed in Argentina, not in Argentina, in Brazil, and then nominated for Best Picture. Like, that, that didn't happen. Not to mention the fact that the actors decided to take back end points instead of a big paycheck up front, which is a huge risk. And nowadays you see that a lot where people will just take will just pay pay them scale and then they'll take a share of the profits. But back then it was extremely rare, especially for a movie that was so risky like this one. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) you have you have a transgender guy talking about Nazis and a communists in a jail cell in Argentina. So yeah. uh, I don't know what risk there is, but uh, so yeah. So the only, the only win at the Oscars it got was William Hurt, best actor. I think well-deserved. I thought he was amazing in this film. Yeah. And he definitely put the time in. I mean, he had a choreographer that he worked with and he, her name was Mara Borba and she worked, he worked with her to learn basically how to walk and act like a woman. And he also worked with Patricio Biso, who was a gay costume designer, and he would basically go out on dates with him to the movies and try and emulate him. And they would they would go see movies like Brazilian drag queen movies. And since he didn't speak Portuguese, Patricio had to translate and he would just make up his own translations for the movies. So I thought that was pretty funny. But I mean, he put the time in to truly try and embrace this character, which I respect. However, I will say that he does kind of seem like a pain in the ass. Yeah, yeah, I kind of got that. We both watched the the documentary about this film, about the making of this film, because we really care about putting the time in for our podcast. So did you get a chance to watch William Hurt's acceptance speech when he won at the Oscars? No. So I went on the Oscar website, and it was one of the videos. It was probably one of the worst acceptance speeches at the Oscars I've ever heard. What was so bad about it? He he went up there, and he's like, I, 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 I just didn't think I was going to win. Uh, thanks. <laughs> 
thanks to all my people in Brazil. And he said like something like thanks in Portuguese. And then he was like, oh, I'm really blessed to be an actor. And then he just walked off stage. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> he would have won the jet ski this year. <laughs> <laughs> Senna went to friggin' bridges. Bathroom clogger. <laughs> or am I not supposed to say that on the air? <laughs> I think that violates an NDA, but okay. Yeah. Uh, so, no, one, one quote I really liked from William Hurt was he said, I wasn't trying to be difficult. I was just trying to exert a higher standard. And I think that that's a gift. <laughs> so that should tell you all you need to know about William Hurt. It's like, I'm not being difficult. I'm just trying to make everyone better because they're not that great right now. But I mean, whatever happened, it worked because he was nominated for best actor in a leading role the next two years at the Oscars. So he was nominated for Children of a Lesser God and then Broadcast News. So three years in a row nominated. He won the first year, didn't win any other Oscars, but that was pretty cool. It kind of plunged him into the world. And then he got a supporting actor nomination in 2006 for History of Violence, but that's a long ways away. So what I found interesting is I really liked uh, Raul Julia in this film as well. He wasn't nominated for an Oscar. No, but he was nominated for a Golden Globe. He was nominated for a Golden Globe, and William Hurt did not win the Golden Globe. I think they might have split the vote there. Oh, good point. I think that's exactly what happened to Kanye West when Watch the Throne and My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy were both nominated for Album of the Year. I think it I think it split the votes. Yeah, but it didn't happen when La La Land had two songs nominated for Best Original Song and it still won. <laughs> Very interesting. Hmm, so <laughs> really makes you think. <laughs> it, it, it really doesn't. But yeah, I found that interesting that he, he didn't win the Golden Globe. And I guess that's why he was so surprised when he got up on stage. I mean, you got to watch the speech. It's really, it's really bizarre. The winner is William Hurt. <laughs> I share this with Raul. <laughs> ba-boom, 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 you know, it's, it's incredible. Um, I didn't expect to be here, so I don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, um, I want to thank the courageous people in Brazil with whom I made this film. The Saudade, Brazil. Um, I am very proud to be an actor. Thank you very much. <laughs> He was not prepared for this speech. Yeah. He was so prepared for this role, apparently. We watched the documentary, and he was, he was, you know, hiring a choreographer just to learn how to be a woman and, like, going to the gay movies in Brazil. But, like, he couldn't, <laughs> he could, he couldn't just give a speech. <laughs> well, I don't think anybody truly expected this movie to be what it turned into. They, when they originally wrapped the film, they, one of their first cuts had 18 reels, which amounts to over three hours' worth of footage. And it took them months 14 months of post-production to come up with this cut and they just kept getting rejected they were rejected by the new york film festival who actually turned the film off after four reels and said it was absolute trash to the point where william hurt wanted to buy the film from hector just so he could destroy it well that's a big turnaround yeah, that's pretty crazy i'm <laughs> yeah i was rejected from the new york film festival too so uh Maybe maybe big things big things are coming for me. Keep trucking, keep trucking, Bob. Keep trucking. One also, day you could, too could be the Spider Woman. 
<laughs> I hope not. So, Raul Julia, do you recognize him from anything? Okay, this is what's so crazy is I didn't until after I when I when I sort of went to his IMDb after and then I was like, "Oh my god, yes, I do recognize him." Yeah, he's Mr. Gomez, <laughs> Gomez, Gomez Adams in the Adams Family movies. He, yeah, and he's <laughs> awesome in those movies. And totally different from this movie. It shows how great of an actor he is, what range he has, because he's incredible in this as a completely different character than Gomez Adams in the yeah. 1990s Adams Family movies. Pretty crazy uh, where his career went. So, Well, he also put the time in. He went and he met with torture victims to try and learn how they survived being tortured. Sounds like a fun day. <laughs> yeah, it's like, would you rather go to the drag queen movies or you can go to this political prisoner's house and learn about his PTSD? That's that's commitment right there. <laughs> so if you don't mind, Matt, I'm still not convinced about the title or who the hell the Spider Woman is. Can you kind of <laughs> keep explaining that to me? I think we were like halfway through the movie before we took our little break. So they spend half the movie arguing with one another, and you think that that's sort of what the movie is going to be about, is about these two people trying to define masculinity and trying to define power, and then it takes a weird twist, and this is why I say it was a really good half a movie, because then what happens is William Hurt is pulled into the warden's office, and we learn that he's trying to spy on Valentine in exchange for an early release, and so... The rest of the prison time is spent with this sort of dance between her, you know, Melina trying to get the truth out of Valentine, but also Melina's falling in love with Valentine, and does she want to betray him, and and all that. So then there's that struggle, and then uh, there's a really great scene where Raúl poops his pants. But okay, so I tried to say yeah, he like straight fan, he like shits face. himself, and then uh, William Hurt's character Melina is like cleaning him up, and he's like, "You don't, you're not disgusted," and he's like, "I don't mind," <laughs> and like, but like at the same time, he like just says he poops his pants, and then Melina's like, "Oh, it smells so bad," but like you never hear like a fart noise or like a shit <laughs> sound, or you never see like poop, and it's like, did they the not fuck, have man? that in the budget, like? Um, I'm know. sure they had. <laughs> it was an ele- okay. This is a best picture nominee. We don't need those sounds. Okay, this is an elegant poo scene. Probably one of the most eloquent poo scenes to ever grace the screen, if you ask me. That's just one humble opinion. So <laughs> we have this. We have this crap scene, and the power dynamic shifts. And basically, I feel like this movie is essentially a study of power how one person can exert power over another. And I think being the more masculine figure, Valentin felt like he had the power over Melina. Then Valentin shits himself and everything changes. And we learn that he's actually, in fact, very weak. And Melina takes care of him, cleans him up, and feeds him for the next couple days while he gets well. And then there's a sex scene. Not right after the poop scene, though. (laughs) I liked the poop scene. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, like, they didn't have sex right after he cleaned up his poop. I just want to clarify that. A lot more happened. Uh, no, not a lot more happened, but like, uh, like time passed. Well, like, they okay, didn't just, they like, do clean mention. Them up and then, yeah, they're like, okay, our weekly shower is tomorrow, so it's like after the weekly shower. So he cleans himself up, and um, we find out that Melina's going to be released, and sh- and she says, hey, like, 
I don't want to go. I want to be in this prison cell with you. I love you. And Raul, I'm sorry, I keep calling him Raul. <laughs> Valentin, who is straight and whose character arc revolves around two women that he's sleeping with simultaneously, somehow, I guess, decides he's going to sleep with Valentin or sleep with Melina. So there's this very tasteful sex scene where we blow out a candle and you're focused on the dying ember of the candle and then you just hear them sort of in the background getting ready to like get into bed together and Valentine's like, oh, move over, I'm, I'm pinned against the wall. Then it sort of fades into black. What'd you think about that sex scene? Did it remind you of the peach scene from Call Me By Your Name? No, it was just really hoping that, that the amphibian man was going to come out. <laughs> <laughs> Bob's Bob's all about like poo noises and amphibian dick. <laughs> I'm like about the sim the symbolism of the bird on the wall in the jail cell, and he's like, there weren't enough fart noises. <laughs> no, there only had to be one fart noise. That's why it. did That's there it. need to be one? Like why? But it's just like to me when I watch a movie and it's like they're like, oh, I poo. And then, oh, it smells so bad. Like, they're explaining the environment to me. It's like, they could have just made a fart noise, and, like, I would have gotten all that. You know, it's like, I, I don't know. So, <laughs> so. Okay. Well, anyway. So, anyway, so let's get, let's, let's get to the crux of it here. Because in the morning, Melina is leaving, and all she asks for is one kiss. And they kiss. And that is the kiss of the Spider Woman. But why is it the kiss of the Spider Woman, not, like, the woman who likes Nazi movies in the jail cell. <laughs> well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> well, isn't well because there's a whole there's a whole other allegory here because she she begins to tell a second about a second movie about a spider woman on a beach who calls to some guy, right? Yeah, no, I remember that part. And so the spider woman like traps the guy in her in her web, right? Okay, yeah. So, so she's the so she trapped him in her she she seduced a straight man. Oh, okay. So I think I guess that sort of makes sense. It, it, I don't know. I mean, it's not enough for me. I mean, that film festival really ripped me a new one with my film, The Cookbook, which the title it it fits with the movie. I, I, yeah, I don't know. Well, what did you think about um, what did you think about Sonia Braga, who is the Brazilian lead the lead Brazilian actress in the film? playing three parts i actually i didn't realize she did that until i imdb'd the movie afterwards but i thought it was pretty cool that she so she played the the french woman she played one of raul's girlfriends or or i'm sorry one of uh valentine's girlfriends and the spider woman yeah right yeah and then basically i thought that was pretty cool basically she plays the bourgeoisie girlfriend like basically valentine has a girlfriend in the resistance and a girlfriend who is like middle class and he feels ashamed that he's dating a middle class woman because it goes against all of his values as a revolutionary and then in the end he is um sedated because he gets he starts getting beat again and he has a vision of pulling up to a beach and she hears Marta again. Marta's the name of the bourgeoisie date. Um, she is the spider woman in the end. That's that part confused me because all Oh, I thought he died at the end. No, I think he just got I like thought the sedated. Dude... Oh, okay. Yeah, I guess he said it was morphine, but I thought the guy was just like killing him by injection, and then he just like the last thing he saw was like the spider woman because they had to fit the spider woman into the movie because it's the damn title. <laughs> well, originally there were three. Originally there were going to be three movies. There was also Cat People, but uh, due to a rights um, 
due to a um, violation of copyright, they couldn't include cat people, so they had to cut it out. And in yeah. ca- Cat People, there is a panther woman, and the kiss kills whenever panther woman kisses. And in the book, what happens is Melina kisses Valentine and says, don't worry, I'm not the panther woman, I'm the spider woman. Well, that would have made a lot more damn sense. So, <laughs> so you, really... just need to be, you just need to be hit over the head with it. You need shit like to fall on Like if it was called Kiss of the Nazi Woman... Need... Maybe, maybe. I don't know. No, she wasn't a Nazi in that. So I want to go back a few scenes um, because I like disorienting our viewers. <laughs> so when he is talking to the warden, when Melina's talking to the warden and he's trying to, they're trying to get information out of him. And then there's this scene where he's like, oh, they said that my mom was going to bring me groceries. You remember the scene? Oh, I and love he, that scene. And then he lists all these groceries and he's like giggling the whole time. The warden's like, okay, I'll get you the damn groceries. And he's like, I want two whole chickens, and I want pecan pie, and I want this. And he gets all these groceries, and they have, like, a feast in the jail cell. You know what that scene reminded me of? Phantom Thread. (laughs) You know what he's... When uh, Dan and Day-Lewis' character is sitting in that diner in the beginning, and he meets that girl for the first time. And he just orders, like, the biggest breakfast I've ever (laughs) ever seen. He's like, I want two eggs and... Three pancakes and sausages and scones. And he just keeps going. What exactly is the nature of the game? <laughs> and he just keeps ordering food. It just reminded me of that. That's all I, I could think of when he's, when I love that he's scene. Ordering... Because, I love that scene because it shows that Melina's character isn't just a pushover. Because she was yeah. basically making demands like, oh, you want me to spy for you? Get me all this food. Like, they knew that she was yeah. bullshitting. Yeah. I liked that scene. What I didn't like yeah. was... To, to now finish up the end of the movie, I'll talk a little bit about the post-production, is it got accepted into Cannes Film Festival, Cannes, under one condition, which is they needed to cut, recut and shorten, basically tighten up the ending of the movie. And the ending of the movie, as it becomes, is Melina is released, she's followed by the Brazilian police, and she makes contact with Valentine's girlfriend in the, in the resistance, and when they rendezvous, the police basically ambush, and the girlfriend thinks Melina is, like, a, an informant and shoots and kills him. And that's how the movie ends. Com- the tonal shift between him in prison and him getting out was so drastic, I thought I was watching a completely different movie. Yeah, it took a weird turn at the end. He gets out of jail, and then he, like, hits this weird, like, gay nightclub where there's the dude just, like popping balloons (laughs) and then he like gets all his money out of the bank in cash hands it to his like random super flamboyant brother in the middle of a park (laughs) he's like here's all this money take care of mom and then and then all of a sudden he like gets shot in the middle of the street and it's like what what's going on here like i don't don't know what i'm watching I, i i don't know it confused the crap out of me yeah it basically hits the uh barrier gay trope right on the head this is the this is a um, a trope that's often debated, which is the barrier gaze trope, which is that in early cinema the homosexual characters would always get killed because they're you know the, the deeper meaning is that oh they were so full of sin that they you know they needed to be punished with with death and now in later movies in later years they their death is seen as oh they were too good for this world and they you know they departed as a martyr as a gay martyr i mean that's essentially what we have here is is molina martyrs himself by refusing to give up the the regime 
the the revolution group. Yeah, which I guess is a big deal because he doesn't give a shit about politics. Because the whole movie, he's talking about this this Nazi propaganda film, and through the whole time, the, the other guy's like, "Oh, you know, like how do you not? This is a Nazi film, blah blah blah." And he's like, "But I don't care about politics. I just care about the love story." It's like he doesn't even care about politics, and at the end, he ends up dying for a cause that he like doesn't even believe in. It doesn't matter. He just loves the guy who's part of the cause, so he he does it anyway. Yeah, Very I think because he wanted his romantic ending, and he ends up getting the same ending that the French woman gets in the Nazi propaganda film. Yeah, <laughs> after that weird French resistance guy like tries to like take advantage of her, uh, very strange. Oh scene. yeah, the frog, <laughs> the like toad. <laughs> Is that like a typical negative stereotypical thing to call French people frogs or toads? Is that? I don't know. I took like seven years of French, but I can't confirm or deny that. Croc, Monsieur, soup de jour, qu'est-ce que c'est? Okay. Uh, so. You know what time it is, Matt? I think it's... Is it time to pick our year? It is time to pick our year. So where were we, 1950? We are in the 1950s. Let's see. <laughs> Load up that generator. I'm interested to see what movie year we get. Next week, the podcast goes to 1953. Ooh. Ah. <laughs> ah. Let's go ahead and take a quick break and we'll come back to finish up our show on Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Today's show is brought to you by Mike Simmons. Do you enjoy being friends with tall men with uh, strong personalities and witty sense of humor? Mike Simmons just might be for you. Mike is handsome, he works hard, and he's very creative. He often brings lunch for the rest of the team, so you know he's a giver. For all your office and friendship needs, talk to Mike. Mike Simmons, the tall guy, he's pretty cool. All right, welcome back to The Podcast Goes To. This week we're talking about Kiss of the Spider-Woman. Matt, exciting news. I think we have a sponsor. Yeah, we had our first sponsor today. Yeah, what the hell was that? <laughs> um, well, I'm, I decided I'm getting to the ad game, getting into the ad game. Um, I opened, I, I decided, I, it was a unilateral decision um, at work today. I decided that, hey, if anyone wants to buy ad space, I'd sell 30 seconds for a buck. So um, we're in the green. So far, we've made a single dollar, uh, which I'll split with you. I'll have to Venmo you. Yeah, I'm very happy with my our first ad. And if anyone else is interested, you might want to get in now while, while it's sweet $1 for 30 seconds. Um, I anticipate people wanting to book that space so it'll fill up quick. Well, that's exciting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So are there any other, uh, any other things you have to add about Kiss of the Spider-Woman before we kind of move on and sum up the episode? Well, I think it's very interesting that uh, this movie was released on the same day that the AIDS epidemic went public. So it was a very timely movie, and I think it became a very hip movie for people to want to go see. Someone even recommended this movie to uh, Nancy and Ronald Reagan, and Nancy Reagan was absolutely appalled that anyone would watch a movie with this subject matter. And they explained to her, well, if you get past the subject, the acting is great. To which she replied, how could you possibly get past the subject? So we're still dealing 
dealing with the <laughs> not quite good old good old just say no nancy reagan <laughs> yeah um it was a 60 day sh- schedule and it took them 104 days to shoot um, they shot it in the veracruz studios in sao paulo and uh, the prison was made using uh, movable walls uh, the walls could all fly away, be lifted up and shifted to the side so that they could do tracking shots and dollies and cranes. And um, so apparently, I would have to rewatch the film, there are no two shots that are the same in the whole prison sequence. I don't know if that is completely accurate. That sounds like someone who's really trying to brag about how unique their film is. But apparently they, they emphasize the uniqueness of the shoot. Um, and Burt Lancaster was originally supposed to play the role of Molina, but after 19 months of uh, this movie sort of sitting, waiting for funding, and getting a script together, uh, it was clear that Burt Lancaster had a very different idea for the character, and they eventually moved on to William Hurt. And I'm sure it hurt for Burt to watch the Oscars that year. <laughs> Can we make t-shirts? I'm sure it hurt for Burt. <laughs> <laughs> ooh, are, ooh, are we getting into the merch game already? Episode 3? We're all, well, now we have that first dollar. We're, <laughs> we're swimming in cash. We should reinvest. I think it's time to profit. Spaceballs, the breakfast cereal. Spaceballs, <laughs> the flamethrower. So, so final thoughts. Did you, you didn't like this movie. I enjoyed watching parts of it. I thought the Nazi propaganda film thing was kind of hilarious. I love the performances. Raul and uh, Bill Hurt were amazing in it. But overall, I just, I didn't understand what the hell was going on. And the ending made no sense to me. And yeah, it wasn't my favorite film. Yeah, I think that it was a great three quarters of a film. I really enjoy movies that dive into deep questions that are kind of unanswerable. They're very philosophical. Like, what is a man? Well, that's not an easy answer, especially when you're dealing with someone who was born a man but believes they're a woman. Uh, But then the movie takes this weird, like, secret agent turn where... All of a sudden, the warden is narrating, and and they're like, she was looking out the window, staring into nothingness for days on end. And I'm like, all right, what am I watching? And so the, the ending felt rushed, and it sort of felt like more the movie that everyone rejected than the movie that everyone accepted. But overall, I, I was really glad I watched it, and really sad to hear that, that Raul Julia had passed away in 1994, of, uh, of complications from a, a severe stroke. He was just such a talent, clearly from Adam's family to Kiss of the... Dra- Kiss, Kiss, I, okay, I wanted to say Kiss of the Dragon Woman this whole show. It's been very difficult for me not to. And I've been wanting to call this film Curse of the Spider Woman, so... <laughs> we should make a movie called Curse of the Dragon Woman. I'm down, as long as it's a documentary about my mom. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I really hope she doesn't listen to this podcast, Mom. <laughs> do uh, do you want to do you want to bring back one of our favorite segments, movies with blank in the title? Ooh, I do love this segment. Do you know of any films with the word spider in the title? I'm glad you asked. There's Spider Man, Spider Man Two. Spider-Man 3, the emo one, the amazing Spider-Man, the amazing Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man Homecoming. Very interesting. I'm glad we did that segment, Matt. Way more interesting than any other segment we've ever done. (laughs) Do you want to talk about all those very different movies? (laughs) Who is your favorite Spider-Man? I still have a soft spot for Tobey Maguire. Why? After he became emo in the third movie. It wasn't his fault. Uh, I lost. I lost him. 
And apparently, did you see Molly's game this year? No. So his interesting part of Molly's game is uh, there's this star. Uh, she In her book, she doesn't tell anyone who, who he is, but he's player X. And he's this guy that plays poker. And he's like a ringer. And everyone wants to play against him because he's a famous person. And he just like always mops up and like takes everyone's money. And he was a real dick. And apparently, in real life, Player X is Tobey Maguire. What? <laughs> yeah, played by, I think, Michael Sarah in the film. But I looked that up immediately after the movie. I was like, I got to find out who this, who this Player X is. I'm expecting, like, everyone but Tobey Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Is it time to pick our film for next week? It is, and we have five films from 1953 coming right up. Ooh, list them for me, baby. We have The Robe. We have Roman Holiday. Ooh. Have you seen... Dalton Trumbo action. Yeah, yeah. We have Shane. We have Julius Caesar. And From Here to Eternity. Those are some classics. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen all of them, but that's a good good lineup. I'm excited. I I would love to talk about Roman Holiday, but uh, any of them would be good choices, I think. All right. The podcast goes to... I'm not making this up, Bob. It's Roman Holiday. (laughs) Wow. Did we call it two weeks in a row? This is this is not rigged. I swear the film gods just absolutely love us. I'm convinced. Uh, week one when we picked our film and we ended up with Darkest Hour, you were going, come on, Phantom Thread, come on, Phantom Thread, and we didn't get Phantom Thread. So uh, just a shout out. We're not always right, and it's not rigged, I swear. That was just a test. The film gods were testing us. Film god, Keith Brown. So... <laughs> We are going to talk about Roman Holiday next week. Very exciting. I'm I'm thrilled, and I can't wait for everybody to join us. Thank you, everybody, for joining us on another episode of The Podcast Goes To, and we will see you all next week for 1953's Roman Holiday. Roman Holiday.